Welcome to our podcast, Big Tobacco Messed with the Wrong Moms, the PAVE Parents Against Vaping podcast. My name is Dorian Furman. And I'm Meredith Berkman, and we're the Wrong Moms. But we are so honored to have with us today two of the very right moms, Dr. Valerie Yerger and Carol Magruder, who are co-founders, along with our recent guest, uh, Dr. Phil Gardner of the African-American Tobacco Control Leadership Council. So Dr. Val and Carol, we are really thrilled to have you uh, on the podcast and to have you as partners and also as role models for women who took action in a really powerful way to protect kids from the predatory behavior of big tobacco. So thank you so much to both of you for joining us today. Yes, thank you for having us. We're honored to be here with you. It would be really important for our listeners to hear from you why this is perhaps the most important, urgent moment for menthol cigarettes. The FDA was given the authority to uh, control the tobacco industry. They were given a mandate by the Congressional Black Caucus to decide what was to be done about menthol at the time when President Obama signed the Tobacco Control Act. All the other flavors except for menthol were taken out and menthol is Newports are the co-stars of, of black folks' lives in this country. So we've been working tire, tirelessly since then to make the FDA, to compel them to act and, and nothing has happened. We haven't had a hearing about it. And so we've just been working piecemeal through cities, counties, states, Massachusetts is now taking it offline um, to get our, our issues heard that uh, black smokers are not born whole. They're born as children, as babies, and that our people pick up smoking in adolescence and young adulthood, just like everybody else. And so we want to break the cycle of the number one killer of Black people, which is methylated tobacco products. Then we have to have the protections that other people do. We actually have a lawsuit to have an administrative review of what the FDA has done and not done since they were mandated to do so in 2009. And there have been reports that they've done that taking menthol off the market would be in the best interest of public health. Canada has taken it off. The European Union has taken it off. But because of our racialized uh, country, and we're in the throes of it now, for some reason, it's a racial issue when it comes to protecting Black folks, their health through public policy. What I'd like to add on is that when I was looking at the tobacco industry documents, we're going on 20 years ago, I gave up my clinical practice as a naturopathic doctor. I was the first non-nurse midwife licensed to deliver babies at home. I gave all that up when I started to see how systemic and systematic this issue is in terms of the racialized marketing of menthol cigarettes in the black community. And at the time, it wasn't something that was very well known. There were just a few researchers who knew about it. And I go to these um, tobacco um, related conferences and hear about menthol. But in terms of the community, there wasn't any acknowledgement or any understanding that the reason why my mom died, my grandmother died, my brother ended up dying from tobacco-related diseases was because our community was disproportionately targeted by big tobacco. So whereas we're seeing a lot happen in the last couple of years, especially since your organization has been around, 
But for us, we've been working on this issue, like I said, for a couple of decades, but it hasn't been for nothing. Um, I, I would like for this to go a lot quicker, but the truth is over the past 20 years, Carol Magruder, Dr. Phil and I have been doing a lot in terms of educating our community, making this a bigger issue, getting some major organizations like my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta, and the NAACP to adopt resolutions calling for a ban, a, a, a nationwide ban on these products and to support local efforts to get these products restricted, to get their sales at least restricted at the local level. So we've been doing a heck of a lot of work and I would say that we are primed right now to make this issue go away. We have this common need to protect all of our children. And we see this as a wonderful opportunity um, to affect change that is not just going to be just for African Americans or just for white kids, but for all of our children and all of our communities. What was the moment when you realized that, you know, you were going to create this organization and you were going to take action? So often, um, Meredith and Dorian, I would be in a situation where I felt afraid. <laughs> I was walking in, talking to individuals who I didn't know um, very often in their own backyard, um, individuals that I suspected had already spoken to an industry rep. And I just, I, I had so many of those moments and then very quickly after the interactions, towards the beginning of the interactions, I feel this calm and this sense that everything was gonna be okay. And that wasn't just me. That was, I, you know, I, I've been in situations where um, something fantastic was happening in my life and I would just get this overall calming feeling. And that would happen over and over and over again. And it would follow by um, individuals that we were meeting with who were no longer defensive. They would unfold their arms. They would even shift their bodies a little bit and then they would listen. And that's because despite the fact that, that we were coming in with our own personal experiences having lost family members that I've already mentioned, it was because we had the truth. We were talking from our experience, true, but we also had tobacco industry documents to back up what we were saying. We also had the, um, the smoking rate statistics that were very consistent across the country, showing just how disproportionately African-American smokers were in fact using menthol. Um, we also found over and over again that once we started to provide our stories and to provide the evidence, that people started to recognize that they knew what we were talking about. That they were, they knew, they, they knew that these stores were everywhere in their communities. They knew all of a sudden it started making sense that, oh, my dad, did have lung cancer. Oh, my grandmother did have some sort of pulmonary or lung disease that took her out. Um, so these common stories were 
um, were something that I think was very prominent when we would go out and do, do our work. Now, granted, we also would in fact deal with individuals we know were taking money or still taking money from the tobacco industry. And even in some of those discussions, we would see a shift as my great grandmother would say, oh, so-and-so just got shamefaced. So we would see how all of a sudden they were feeling as though, um, I don't know if I'm feeling really good about it. And they couldn't tell us about it, but you know, Carol and I, we can read you non-verbally. We're moms, we know how to do that. I have four kids, I have two boys, I have two daughters and I have grandchildren as well. Um, we're living and dealing with issues that um, some of these tobacco industry front groups would talk about in terms of the increased criminalization of black men. If we you know, restrict the sales of these products is gonna cause the police to interact. Well, we have black boys, <laughs> so we care about the same issues. We're just very clear about what the issue is and we try to stay, um, to stay on, on top of it. Part of our um, staying ability, our staying power is that we have each other. So typically, you know, the three of us travel a lot together, myself, Dr. Phil and Dr. Val, but generally it's me and Val. And we actually will room together, even though we have funding where we could have our own hotel rooms. And so we have just been able to provide uh, that woman and mother support in situations where we didn't know where we were going there. <laughs> And um, just to, to, to give each other that emotional support, I think has been very important. We like to say we came to the table for flavored e-cigarette products, but we stayed for menthol cigarettes because, you know, no community deserves to be targeted and flavors don't discriminate. They just hook kids. How can we get the message out and just educate people? Well, I think it's, it's multifaceted, so especially with our community because of the racialized issue of public health is that we've been working on the supply, but we also have to work on the demand. And so some of that is education and engagement, uh, stopping that next generation, but also putting um, some, putting some uh, fire under our elected officials because we don't, we elect people and we pay them to protect us, to protect our interests. And we've had a huge problem with our own black elected officials because you know, we're marginalized and people take money from where they can get it. And unfortunately, all the horrible entities are, are happy to give money to our, our folks. Um, so that people, you know, they need to really understand the big picture. We, when we look at COVID, um, a lot of the COVID, a lot of our disproportionate severe illness and death is directly related to smoking and to having lung, our lungs are injured. When you're a smoker, your lungs are injured, even e-cigarettes, vaping. And so um, of how all these things are interrelated and that we, we, you know, in California now we're playing what we call the end game and that by 2035, we do not want to have any smokers or vapors in the state of California. So a lot of that is just engagement, especially young people don't like to be tricked, manipulated, uh, and so we need to, you know, to put it in that way in the education. It's not so much about health as it's about you're being exploited by this entity that's trying to kill you <laughs> and make you pay for it.
I'm glad you brought up California. We were really excited when Karen Bath wrote a really powerful editorial in the Sacramento Bee about menthol cigarettes and why this was so important as part of the bill that we're all working towards in partnership to make sure that that bill includes not only a statewide ban in California on all flavored e-cigarettes, but also for menthol cigarettes. You know, you mentioned that there are people in your community, elected officials on in, in state houses and in, um, in the Capitol buildings who are taking money from tobacco. wonder what that feels like to hear elected officials, as you said, meant to protect people and protect communities, protect all of us, protect kids who are taking money from tobacco and then to hear the racially charged argument that by banning these products, one is being, quote, racist. How does that feel when you know that the opposite is the truth? I don't take it personally because I know doggone well that it's all tobacco industry rhetoric. Um, and so part of the messaging that we try to get out is in fact that it is um, coming from the tobacco industry. Um, that beautiful letter um, that Karen Bass, um, Congresswoman Bass wrote um, that got published in the Sacramento Bee didn't make a difference for those individuals who still spoke out against um, SB 793. We're just not able to document how much money they're getting, although we have some, but um, just recently we haven't been able to, to track them because it's very difficult to do that. But when the rhetoric is the same, and it doesn't matter if you're in California or if you're in New York, but you're hearing the same thing, we know that this is the tobacco industry's rhetoric. Um, this is the work that I've done for 20 years, showing that the tobacco industry is, is like a cookie cutter effect. They say the same thing, they put it out, they make these um, relationships with these black leaders, they keep their relationship with these particular leaders for, for years. And then these leaders show up at city council meetings, they show up at, at state hearings. Um, Carol and I have had conversations with a number of these individuals who we know are getting paid by the industry. And off the record, they'll say things like, well, you know, if you pay us, enough money will come over to your side. Or they'll say, well, um, I know what I'm saying is wrong, but I need the money. Um, so, so, you know, there you go. And I, I've been saying we need a couple of things. We need to make sure that individuals disclose when they have any sort of relationship with the tobacco company, whether they're taking money or they're getting some other perks, they need to disclose that relationship so that individuals in the community can make a decision as to whether or not they wanna believe what is being said. I feel disgust, I feel anger. Uh, when I hear these ministers get up and talk about the unintended consequences and use the legitimate fears and concerns and grievances that we have as African-Americans in this country. There's no getting around that. But that when you look at, uh, you know, they use Eric Gardner as the poster man for loose cigarettes. But when you look at Trayvon Martin, when you look at Amadou Diallo, when you look at Ahmaud Arbery, when you look at, you know, I could go on and on and on. It wasn't what they were doing that got them killed. It was that they were black people in America. 
That's the issue. And that's the issue that we must address and that we are addressing. We are beginning to address it. And I really do believe that our country is gonna move forward and we're gonna have some systemic reforms about the way black people in this country are policed. But the answer to the, the, the policing and the misconduct is not to leave the tobacco industry free to kill 45,000 black people every year in this country and addict another generation of their children. That's not the solution. And the solution can never be include in the conversation, uh, Reynolds American, RAI and, and British American tobacco, because you can't include uh, the KKK if you're talking about lynching. They're, that's, they're, they're not, they don't have anything to do with that conversation. And these leaders that get up and espouse the rhetoric of the industry they, they've never come to us to have a conversation about what we think as, as the national experts. They've never, they talk about, quote unquote, big mama needs her menthols. Big mama needs health care. She's probably has high blood pressure, diabetes. They're not advocating for her to get uh, health care and to get some cessation services. No, they're advocating for her to continue to have access to a product that's killing her and that is going to addict her grandchildren. We're very, very inspired by having you on and talking about all of this. We hope that all flavored tobacco products, including menthol cigarettes, are taken out of the market so that all of our kids in all of our communities have the chance for a happy and healthy future. And so we are so grateful to you. We admire you and we really thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Dorian and Meredith. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, Big Tobacco Messed with the Wrong Moms. If you're a parent and you want to get involved, please check out our website at parentsagainstvaping.org. We need passionate parents to join our grassroots movement across the country to protect our kids from the predatory behavior of big tobacco. To get involved in local advocacy campaigns, please text PAVE, that is P-A-V-E, to 72572. Parents' voices matter and you can make a difference. Do you have a teen or young adult at home that vapes? This is Quitting is a free and anonymous text message program designed to help young people quit vaping. Teens and young adults can text Ditch Vape to 88709 to sign up today. That's provided by Truth the National Youth Tobacco Prevention Campaign from our partner and sponsor, uh, The Truth Initiative. It's the first of its kind program that helps young people feel motivated, inspired, and supported while quitting. More than 150,000 young people have enrolled since the program launched in January 2019. The messages include evidence-based tips and strategies to quit, combined with real feedback from young people. Again, teens and young adults can enroll by texting Ditch Vape to 88709. Truth Initiative also offers free text messages for parents who are helping their children quit vaping. I myself enrolled in this program as well and would get different ideas and tips to help support my son. You can join the program by texting QUIT to 202-899-7550 or by visiting becomeanx.org to sign up. To learn more about Truth Initiative and its programs, visit truthinitiative.org.